Ladies and gentlemen, this is a public service announcement. For regular viewers and listeners of AWI Pod, please do not be offended as this program contains good wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of uh, Warring to Attitude. Unfortunately, I didn't put the number of the episode in our description, so I have no idea what number this is. We'll figure that out later. I am your host, Brent Miles, and of course, if this is Warring to Attitude, I do not do these things by myself. He's the barroom brawl and disco dancer, dynamite stretch, and intercontinental playboy. Folks, he's moreover than WrestleMania at GA Wrestle Night. Glenn Attic. Glenn, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Not quite as over as the Legion of Doom, though, in Chicago. Oh, well, who the fuck is, right? Exactly. Nobody's as over as Legion of Doom in Chicago, except for maybe like uh, Ben Zoprist. He helped the Chicago Cubs win the World Series in 2016. He might be the only other person. Mm-hmm. You have to be like a deep Chicago sports fan to get that reference. I don't know if you guys will pick that one up. But anyway, Glenn, we also didn't come alone, did we? It's not just the no. this time, is it? Well, it's WrestleMania. And you have to have a three-man booth for WrestleMania. I don't, I don't write the rules, Glenn. Those are just the rules that I've been brought to me. Exactly. Uh, our special guest this evening, he will take you through the first and lasts of many wrestling shows with his podcast buddy, Dan. It's UTT, Rob. Rob, how the hell are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just a bit worried that if I'm the third person that's been brought in, to, in for a wrestling event, that makes me like the Jim Ross type character that's well past it and everyone just wishes would retire. But... <laughs> Well, not you. Uh, <laughs> we're, 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 we're more Vince and the King, and you're the JR coming in at that stage. Oh, that stage, yeah, the, the earlier one. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's much better than the later version, yeah. Well, I've, I brought my toga especially for uh, being the Jim Ross coming in. <laughs> you can't see Rob right now, but he's absolutely wearing a toga. No, <laughs> yeah, I've got my notes for WrestleMania 9, I'm sorted. That's okay. That's fine. It's basically the same thing. <laughs> we had the camel. We're actually yeah. on our other show, The Mayor of Superstars. We're coming up on watching WrestleMania 9. So that's going to be uh, a lot of fun. Hopefully, Glenn will wear a toga. Maybe you could ship your toga over to him for our WrestleMania 9 show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we, we, I've recovered uh, WrestleMania 9 before when we used to do um, them on uh, that night's wrestling podcast uh, with uh, James and Max. And it, it's an interesting show. <laughs> To say the very fucking say that again. <laughs> We're usually looking for bad wrestling on AWI Pod. That's usually that's sometimes not the case for this show and you know the Heritage Cup show that we do. So WrestleMania Nine is right up our alley because that's what we want is bad wrestling. If, if you want some bad wrestling, I, I can recommend some bad wrestling for you. DMs are wide open, Rob. Send me as much <laughs> as you want. I love it. Uh, but anyway, like I said, sometimes we review bad wrestling and sometimes we don't. And this WrestleMania 13 had some good wrestling and sometimes it didn't. Uh, it took place on March the 23rd, 1997. Just, go ahead. Be- sorry, before we start, I would just like to say congratulations, gents, for still having both your ears. Because we all watched the Slammies and basically I wanted to rip my ears off. 
I just can't believe that they got this time slot on USA Network and, you know, we're going to do this award show and it's, it's going to be like the Oscars or the Grammys. It's going to be really glamorous and everyone's going to be there in shirt and tie and it's like a, a dinner event, which they didn't even fill the tables for. They didn't even paper the restaurant well enough. But then what transpired with Todd Pettingill and his awful songs and just cringeworthy moments, it's like... I can just imagine the network executives going, is this our um, wrestling special? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what this is. Freddie hasn't listened to our review of the Slammies. That was a, there was one time that I actually turned into Ron Simmons. Jerry. <laughs> you did. <laughs> when Sable came out nearly wearing a swimsuit, I had to go, Damn! That was about the only good 30 seconds of that entire show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just upset that uh, Marlene didn't have an oversized laptop with her. Uh, I always thought she was better with the, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the York Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and like that Todd Pettengill stuff was so bad. Like I dropped clips of that throughout the show, so that means I had to listen to him multiple times, and oh, oh god. god, I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> I, I just wonder who who wrote that. Who who was it? Todd Pettingill. You know, I, don't worry, lads. I, I can cover this with some hilarious <laughs> <laughs> lyrics. Or you know, because I think at this time it was Pritchard and Cornette that were in charge of creative. So no, <laughs> yeah, motherfuckers in there. So Cornette didn't write it. Yeah, they definitely, <laughs> did. they definitely didn't have their fingerprints on that song. Yeah. Uh, Pritchard, I could see because that was awful corny. And like I told Lynn during that show, like he did the same thing at the '96 Slam. So they didn't even learn their fucking lesson. They let him do it two years in a row. Yeah. <laughs> it was the last one to like 2008 or whatever. Yeah, that's why they that's why they quit doing it. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised they got to WrestleMania after that Slam. Is <laughs> <laughs> should have just shut the whole cult company down after that. WCW mm. has won the war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> March 23rd, 1997. It is in Rosemont, Illinois at the Rosemont Horizon. They always say it's Chicago, but it's not Chicago. It's the suburbs, just so everybody knows. Mm -hmm. um, this was the second WrestleMania held at the Rosemont Horizon as part of WrestleMania 2 was held there in 1986. You guys will remember WrestleMania 2 was broken into three separate parts. Uh, I think they had the, the football player Battle Royal in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with the fridge, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that, yeah. The, with the, the fridge, I think he got thrown out by Big... No, he... he yeah, he got thrown out by Big John Studd, and then I think he goaded Big John Studd into, like, pulling him out of the ring or some shit like that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Interesting stuff there. This show got a reported uh, 237,000 buys, which makes it the lowest buy rate for a WrestleMania ever up until that point. It had 53,000 less buys than WrestleMania 12 and 103,000 less buys than WrestleMania 11, which I consider to be the worst WrestleMania in history of WrestleMania. I wonder well, why. The, the build-up to it was all right. The go-home show... Yeah. They did a really good job of talking into the building, but obviously not to buy the pay-per-view. Yeah, I guess not. 
I, I'm a very sad, sad individual who spends too much time looking at statistics. And a while ago, I did link um, the US unemployment rate to wrestling pay-per-view buy rates. <laughs> wow. WWE tracks really well with uh, that. So I think there was a late 90s recession. So that, that could have been uh, part of the reason for it. But it, it, it's difficult with... Um, wrestling because sometimes the quality sort of lags the audience's interest in it or you know you, you certainly you know we've covered when you get up to the height of WCW's success and um Kevin Nash is in charge there's, there's some god awful stuff up there yeah. and you know but but people are still watching it because it, it's the thing that they do and you know <laughs> they're invested in it but yeah it, it's pretty turgid to get through i think it's the same thing goes for the attitude era too because people look at that with such glowing eyes and i go back and watch some of that stuff and it's not very good i mean it wouldn't hold up today if you went back and watched it um, nah. people think it does but it re it's really not as great as you think it was i mean may young may young gave birth to a hand for crying out loud yeah <laughs> The thing is, is that the attitude, uh, it wouldn't have been if there hadn't have been a Stone Cold and The Rock. Probably true. It would have just gone on. If Rocky Maivere had gone on the way he'd gone on instead of uh, after this going away and coming back and reinventing himself, then we would probably not have had an attitude era. And WCW could well have won the war. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I think WWE did re really well sort of in this era is sort of hit the zeitgeist of what was popular in television. You know, if you look at the TV shows that were on at the time, and they always use like British examples of Euro trash and the word and stuff, but like Jerry Springer and stuff, um, you know, in America and that sort of car crash TV, they were very cutting edge. And, you know, that lined up very well to the other popular shows of the time. And, you know, if you look at modern wrestling, it's almost like they completely ignore what's happening in the television landscape and, and just plowing their own path. And yeah, it's probably a lot more difficult for the general public to engage with it because of that. That's an excellent point. It's a really, really good point. Um, <clears throat> so our friend over at the Bang Bag podcast, Andy, he, he always does like the top 10 music charts when he reviews the show. And since it's WrestleMania, it's a pay-per-view. I want to do something a little bit sort of that thing, but we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to look at the top five movies in the world. In March of 1997, they don't have any British movies though. I couldn't find out what if there were any popular British movies in '97. So sorry, guys. Well, we'll try. We'll try our best. <laughs> good, good. Thank you. So the number one movie in America during the, in March of 1997 was Liar Liar, starring Jim Carrey. You guys familiar with this one? I've seen it, but possibly in '97. <laughs> so, <laughs> is it where he's not allowed to lie anymore? Or something's happened to him. Yeah, so his son he has to tell the truth. Yeah, that he can't lie, that he has to go through the whole day not lying. Yeah. He's a lawyer, so it's hard for lawyers not to lie. Um, there was the yeah. movie Selena. You guys familiar with the movie Selena? Nope. No, no, no. You're familiar with the Mexican American singer Selena? Have you ever heard of her? No. Okay. No. This movie was uh, basically <laughs> the movie based on her life, uh, her her um, her ascension into rise and fame and then her tragic death that she was shot and killed by, I believe the, the manager, I mean, the, the president of her fan club, I think is the one who shot and killed her. She was stealing money or something like that. Here's a movie that you guys will definitely know. And you'll probably wonder why the fuck it's on the list for 1997, but it's star Wars return of the Jedi. You gotta see that, right? Were they re-releasing them because of the um, sort of next iteration of star Wars films that were coming out at the time? Was that, that is correct. They were, yeah. they were showing a new remastered edition in theaters for the 40th anniversary. That's when they added all the weird dancing shit 
and Jabba's palace, you know, all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> in 1997. Here's one Jungle to Jungle. Have you guys ever heard of the movie Jungle to Jungle? No. 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 Former cocaine smuggler Tim Allen. That's not the movie description. I'm just saying that generally. <laughs> <laughs> Found out that he has a 13-year-old son who's been raised in the jungle, and then he brings his son to New York City, turning his life upside down in the process. So if you haven't uh, seen him, go out and check it out, guys. That's, that's, that sounds great. He doesn't know. <laughs> I'd rather see a you know a movie about his exploits in cocaine smuggling. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the final one is Private Parts. It is the autobiography story of radio rebel, TV personality, author, and now movie star Howard. Stirred. You guys ever seen that one? Hey, he I was a first clammy, wasn't he? He was a how, first how, clammy, how, correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Cal and his friends very upset that they brought, even brought up the name Howard Stern. So. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Cal's so upset he's going to have a match at Spring, Spring Stampede 2000 against Jimmy Hart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. my, my surprise, though, is like me and Glenn watched that show last summer, and now... <laughs> Now we see Man Cow in the 97 Slavery Sword. I said, what the fuck, man? We were like, oh, full circle here, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, that was an interesting list. Sorry, sorry we couldn't be more uh, interactive with it. <laughs> Honestly, Glenn, it went exactly how I wanted it to go. <laughs> <laughs> it went exactly how I foreseen it going. So that worked out. Yeah. Uh, so the show begins with one of those really cool like black and white videos, and they got the guy with the ominous voice. And I can't do it because he's just really, really great. Um, I always loved these black and white videos that they did in the like 96, 97 era. And whoever did this, whoever had this magical voice, he was really, really good at it. Very good stuff. So I mean, with them, there was a little bit of um, overegging the cake, wasn't it? They were talking about uh, a tempest and engulfing euphoria. <laughs> it's like someone's got a dictionary out and it's just <laughs> randomly picking words out of it. That, that sounds, sounds like Vince made that one up. That definitely sounds like a Vince. Uh, the first match we get through the curtain here, it's going to be a fatal, it's a four-way tag team elimination match. Um, before before we actually get to the first match, there was one little bit there that popped me. Was the first sight in uh, the PlayStation blimp? Oh yeah, and it had a little. It had the, the especially after the conversation we had the other day, because um, it had like the little carriage at the bottom of it. So I can imagine Mini Mankind and Mini Vader riding that around. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, try, trying to find Masquerita Sograda and yeah. uh, <laughs> Mini Gold Dust. Mini Gold Dust, though, is probably about the same sort of height as Johnny Gargano and Pete Dunne. <laughs> there was nothing mini about that teenager at all. No. <laughs> six foot three. He's <laughs> bigger than the ordinary Gold Dust. <laughs> He's a really tall sixth grader. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I told you guys, when I was a little kid, I was absolutely 100% sure on who was flying around these little blimps. You know, I didn't think it was Mini Mankind or Mini Vader. I didn't think it was Hornswoggle or Max Mini and that shit. I literally thought that the King Jerry Lawler sat there with like a remote and flied that thing around the arena. All right. commentary. That's what I believed when I was 12 years old. And I don't know where I came to that conclusion. I just sort of made it up on my own. <laughs> who knows? He may well have been. If you've ever seen any of those sketches where um, you know the, the, the freeze frame and then he's drawing stuff on the screen, yeah, <laughs> if his controller yeah, being yeah. that good, it crashed. 
<laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, we have witnessed that. Yeah, we see that a lot on the mayor of Supercars, unfortunately. It's like Pictionary with Gary the King Waller. A lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the four-way tag team match. We've got the Godwins taking on the headbangers, taking on the new blackjacks, and taking on Furnace and Lafon. Good news, Glenn. I think this is the first time we've ever seen Furnace and Lafon wrestle and it didn't involve Bulldog and Owen. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a change. Yeah. And it was considering that the, the whole of the start of 97 tag matches were the Bulldog and Owen against the Doug the Furnace and Phil LaFon. So I actually found three other tag teams. It was a pretty good going for them. It's not as bad as when um, Owen was tagging with Yoko Zuna and there'd often be matches when there was literally an Owen that was the only one that could wrestle in the match. <laughs> like he gets met on a mission or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> just all running around in circles. Yeah, Glenn, I didn't look at it with that sort of bright side that you did this tag team match, and I should have. I should have thought, well, they found four fucking tag teams. That's pretty goddamn impressive. They shouldn't have kicked off the show. This should, have, this should have been the piss break. Like, it's a bit bad when you're opening with the piss break, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it really <laughs> <is>. <laughs> They used to do like the free for all, and they would show a they would show a match in the free for all, and this was total free for all prime material. That's exactly what this yeah. could have been. Uh, it's funny though, because the end of the show, there's there's three big matches, and you know the the um, Legion of Doom six man match. You'd normally have something that maybe takes the crowd down a little bit before the main event, but, but no, let's put our biggest pop of the night on before it. You know, if they put this uh, eight man match in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Top them with, with the uh, Legion of Doom and Ahmed. Right. That open it, lift the crowd to start with. Sure, the whole show, the whole show would have flowed a lot better. Definitely, I, I absolutely agree with you. So apparently, this tag team match is uh, for a tag team title match the next night on Raw. Uh, we got to hear from the new Blackjacks on their way down to the ring, so that was something. At least they got to keep their mustaches on their faces and they didn't fall off. <laughs> Yeah. And JBL's got a stupid grin on his face as well. It's like. <laughs> oh, there are a couple of cowboys. Ye fucking haw, huh? Um, we got a bit of a hoss fight to kick this thing off there. We had big old Henry Godwin in there kind of throwing down with uh, old Bradshaw. It was, it was an interesting little start to the match, I thought. Vince kept calling him Hank Godwin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Henry's short for Hank, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where he got that one from. But yeah, I mean, it, it started out um, hard hitting. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I found this match quite difficult to get through. I mean, the, there was some shenanigans with the um, first elimination in inverted commas. Um, yeah, and it, 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 at this point, WWE felt like that, you know, they were really in transition and there were some very modern things and some very old things. Yeah. Uh, and and that maybe is reflective of Jim Carnett being involved in your booking committee. But, you know, th this didn't feel as in step with some of the other stuff on the show, this match and, and this, the whole scenario around it. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you on that one. It just, they had, the, the toughest thing that happened in this match is Bradshaw gets in there and he starts fighting and he's got his vest on. And then it, he had a tough time getting that vest off. Bradshaw versus his vest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Furnace LaFon LaFon and uh the new Blackjacks all get counted out. Or is that right? Or do I have that right, Glenn? 
Yeah, you do, yes. They all got counted out because they were brawling the outside. Yeah. Um, well, because the, the um, things with um, Vince McMahon on commentary saying these uh, Texas Cowboys aren't that smart. And it's like neither are the um, WWE officials because oh. they shouldn't have. You know, it's blatant cheating. You know, it's just counting them both out. Why, why on earth that happened? Especially, especially as as time has gone on, we've been told in these multi men matches that there's no count out disqualifications or you don't know. Yeah. There's no rules. There's no rules to these multi men matches. I, I wouldn't have been surprised to the disqualified someone for throwing someone over the top rope in this match. It was so old school. Yeah. It definitely felt like it could have went that way. So we're down to the god we got hog farmers versus uh headbangers, I guess. Guys who like to do mosh pit things. Um they start out doing that year boo spot where um, Phineas and Mosh are punching each other, and there's literally zero reaction from the crowd. <laughs> the headbaggers head just look like they've taken over the sinks from the nasty boys. The nasty boys. We're going to talk about sinks later on, too, and that's going to be a lot of fun. The nasty boys, yeah. brother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so I live in Nebraska, and I've seen many men and like dressed up in overalls. But I want to know, Rob, Glenn, have you guys ever seen anybody dressed up like the headbanger? Seen people wearing dungarees. Oh, sorry, I was thinking the I was thinking the goblins there. I mean, we're both old enough to remember Punk the first time round. So yeah. <laughs> never anybody dressed like those. So. No? All right. Well, I thought, I thought I'd ask. I didn't know. Um, Henry had some big clothesline, sending Haw, uh, Thrasher and Hank to the outside. I started calling him Hank, too, because they were doing it. Uh, the headbangers were the best part of this match. They did some really cool moves. They looked crazy. They said weird shit. They spit up in the air and caught it in their mouths. Besides everything else in this match sucking, I love the headbangers. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> At least um, Hillbilly Jim was there. You know, <laughs> that was my take home. Yeah. <laughs> And as always, it's nice of Hillbilly Jim to take time out of his busy schedule giving his Hall of Fame speech to come to WrestleMania 13. Because you know he's been doing that for a long time. Um, Hillbilly Jim looks like a star, though, you know, because he was bigger than everyone else in the match. You know, when you say about wrestlers and stuff. and and, (laughs) It's not a great look for a manager, is it? the same as when he debuted in the 80s. He looked exactly like in 97. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the headbangers get the win, and apparently they're going to be facing the tag team champions tonight, tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw. And of course, Glenn, we can't go a week without the fucking honky tonk man. So here he is to do commentary. Oh God, yeah. Just, just before you go on to the honky tonk man, when when the headbangers won, uh, Mosh does what I thought was a top rope Lou Fez press, and I know WWF WWE have always like suppressed people that they don't want to talk about and whatever. Yeah. Jim Ross called it a vertical version of Ray Stevens' Bombs Away. And instead it was invented by Ray Stevens. And I was thinking, hang on a sec. It wasn't first <laughs> before Stevens. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great point. I didn't even I didn't catch that. But JR, it, there's nobody on commentary on this show that's gonna say anything smart unless it's JR. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
And then sometimes they take like they'll they'll remove a commentary person so they can bring in the honky tonk man or Shawn Michaels, and it's always Jr. <laughs> that they remove. It's like why don't you just why don't we get rid of Vince? Vince is no good at this. Let's get rid of Vince. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other the, the other thing I was really surprised at watching this. I always thought you know because when we've gone back and watched stuff we've just watched sort of episodes here and there we haven't like done a full walkthrough and, it, and it's obvious that vince is the owner of wwe whereas i thought that came out after survivor series and no. yeah um it basically bret hart outed him right right <laughs> in one of the early episodes of raw yeah well we'll, we'll come on to bret hart's um <laughs> Yeah, he'll turn in, in a bit because he's been bloody working on that for a few months. He, he really has. He's working hard on it without even knowing. Like I think Brett was. Brett didn't even know that he was becoming a heel, and he was becoming a heel. That's the craziest thing about it. Um, <clears throat> so the Sultan is going to take on Rocky Maivia for the Intercontinental Championship. I couldn't help but notice, Glenn. There was a sign in the crown that said "Disco Forever," and a new Glenn that would make Glenn smile because Glenn's a big disco fan. As long as they meant disco and not a certain gentleman that I happen to share a name with that I'm totally disgusted with. Well, there was a there was a period when they were putting silhouettes of that gentleman that you share a name with in the WWF magazine and teasing that he was going to come and and then I think he just re-signed with WCW and they ended up bringing Honky Tonk Man in. It's like. Oh, what is it? What is it? the evil? Like this guy or the honky tonk man? Oh. A- anyone that you're going to tap up and it's disco. <laughs> it's like... Yikes! <sighs> Yikes! Uh, there's a really, there was really, uh, this had a really good chance to be. Uh, so Rocky Maivia got a really good pop from the Chicago crowd when he first came to the ring, and I was a bit yeah. shocked by that because he doesn't. He gets kind of a mixed reaction in most of the shows that we see from him. But he really got a good pop from the crowd in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they were just confused with uh, the Sultan and his entourage. I mean, putting the Sheik and Bob Backlund together. It's like, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, everyone likes um, the Sheik and he's just passed away. We've all got fond memories of him. But I, I don't know. You know. I've been watching a lot of Mid-South recently and I, I know he'd retired by, for 10 years by this point. But if he'd have had someone like Skandar Akbar as his manager... <laughs> who's sort of in that role but can cut a really decent promo, um, I, I think that would have been better than this this sort of 1983 entourage that he had with him. Yeah. Well, we, we watched an episode of Raw a few weeks ago, and all they did was come out and shout and just totally get ignored with what was going on in the ring. Who was it Rocky was fighting? Um, it was some jobber. They just had him in a jobber yeah. match. Yeah, it was just a jobber match for him. Um, he just totally ignored them. And they're yelling and screaming. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that's what everybody does with Bob back. Like he just yells and screams, and it's not just like if you can't understand him, people just like, yeah, whatever, and walk away. <laughs> and 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 why does a sultan, a sultan, have a jock strap on his face? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel so. I feel sorry for poor Rikishi. Why? Why would you take a Samoan? Samoans, we know, don't wear boots or shoes. They're all, nearly all, 99% are barefooted, apart from the Usos, who have their special designer trainers. But most of them, are, especially at this time, running around barefoot. Why would you put him not only in a pair of shoes, 
but a pair of shoes with curled up toes. I, I'm just astounded we've learned that Kevin Von Erich's a member of the bloodline now. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? I, I, I'm, I'm shocked about that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was a weird one because they did have like a family story to tell here, didn't they? And they, they just ignored <laughs> it for, for this weird, <laughs> let, let's cram these three people together that really don't belong together. And uh, <laughs> what should we package them as, Bruce Pritchard? <laughs> <laughs> right, like it, I don't understand the gimmick. Like, what's he supposed to be? The only Sultan that people are aware of is the fucking guy from Aladdin. We don't know what you're talking about. What's he supposed to be? It, it, it was, and, and this is what I mean about the, the being a massive discrepancy on the show with some stuff that feels really cutting edge and up to date, and it's it's just about to like get there, and some stuff that's really stuck in the eighties. And yeah, this is definitely well stuck in the eighties. Yeah, uh, they, they also show us that Tony Atlas is sitting in the crowd because, of course, he is because he's been following Rocky around in a van for the past week or two. So um, nice to see Tony Atlas in the crowd. We, we did um, review a show where someone had um, a sign in the crowd for the Soul Patrol and they'd drawn a picture of them in a boat together for <laughs> just reasons. <laughs> <laughs> That's something. <laughs> I, I think that the longer the match started going, like the Sultan started to take control of Rocky, I did start to hear some Rocky sucked chants start to murmur through the crowd. Um, and when you look at shit like this, I think this is one of the reasons why it was so hard to get him over at first, because you got him facing this silly fucking guy with the jock strap on his face. He's got Bob Backlund out here screaming nonsense about the fucking Second Amendment. I don't even know what's going on. Like, no. I don't know, like uh, Rocky on commentary, Jim Ross is just turning a bit and telling us about his college football career. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, he's an excellent darts player. So, so this is going to transition, isn't it? You know, <laughs> he's really good at billiards. So, <laughs> I recently went back and watched the 1993 King of the Ring, and uh, Jim Ross and Bobby Heenan are doing commentary, and Ross keeps bringing up every how everybody went to this college and that college, and Bobby Heenan goes, "Do you know anybody who didn't go to college?" And it was just so <laughs> fine and hilarious. <laughs> Oh, Hayden was brilliant. Yeah, I enjoyed the first few minutes of this match, but then the play, pace of it really started to slow down, and it really got boring. And plus, listening to the Honky Tonk Man on commentary is a lot like listening to Booker T. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> the, it, it's uh, it's a damning indictment. We, we've heard a lot of Stevie Ray commentary on uh, the Nitros and Funders we've been covering. It's so much better than Booker T. Suckers got to know. Yeah, it's like so one of them got all the championship um, accomplishments and one could actually commentate. <laughs> hey, hey, WWE, bring in Stevie Ray to do NXT, please. <laughs> the, the trouble is, is it's all over quite quickly. They go, you know, they get through it pretty quickly, but then it doesn't end. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, it, it didn't feel quick when uh, the Sultan had that nerve hold on. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, it, it, was, it was Rocky wins. Okay. Uh, well, this is this is this is only half of the match gone. <laughs> and also, do you think the Rocky did to win that Rocky did to win with was possibly one of the worst roll-ups I've ever seen. The only yeah. roll-up that was worse was the one that that Sean, I mean, that Steve Austin does to Owen Hart at the '97 SummerSlam, and that's because his fucking limbs weren't working. So there's no excuse for that. This roll-up was from The Rock. It was terrible. Do you think there were piping in chants for The Rock? Because there seems to be a lot of people sat on their hands 
and yeah. there was there was a fair bit of noise for him. I think that may well have been because, as Brett said, there's there's a few rocky suck chants you could just about hear. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple points during the show where I thought they were piping in sound. It felt like they they maybe this mm. over the DVD or whatever they threw some sound over. That's just what it, it sounded like to me at points because there was a lot of times where there was just nobody in the crowd doing anything but sitting on their hands. It was like there was a lot during the show when they were sitting on their hands. <clears throat> so they try to interview Rocky, but the Sultan attacks Rocky from behind. Um, also, like the worst time interview ever. Like the Rock just gets this roll up, he rolls out of the ring, and then there's Jim Ross standing there waiting for a, for an interview, almost as if he knew the finish. He <laughs> <laughs> was just hanging around for the uh, off chance of talking about college sports. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Ross is scouring the first row to find everybody's college, mm. college sports uh, acumen. So, yeah, Sultan starts beating up Rocky. He's getting some encouragement from uh, the honky-tonk man. The Sheik locks in a camel clutch. Not making that up. He really did. The Sheik's like yeah. 70 here. Yeah. <laughs> the camel clutch on the rock. And then, Glenn, somebody shows up, and it wasn't fucking Tony Atlas, was it? No, it was uh, Rocky Johnson. Now, I, I like this because, you know, we get to see The Rock and his dad together and, you know, yeah. we, Rocky Johnson is one of those people that didn't get too much talked about or brought back for events mm -hmm. over the years, yeah. you know, is, is one of them that they, they tried to sweep under the rug for a very long time. But Tony Atlas has been following The Rock around for weeks. He literally came to protect him <laughs> on the episode of Raw before this WrestleMania. Yeah. He's sat on the front fucking row between, um, you know, <laughs> Captain Lou Albano and stuff, and he just sits there and watches it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost like in cricket when you you know you can you can go for your decisions and you've got to choose when you're going to go. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> are we going to send it to the video ref? No, no, I'm going to save, save this one for later. Well, 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 just like when I was talking about the top five movies, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> so... I, I thought you got your back for that American <laughs> film. <Yeah>. So. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. When I come on your show, you're going to give me cricket facts, okay? Uh, yeah, so that's what I, I wrote that exact same thing in my notes. I said, I don't know what the fuck Tony Atlas is doing. Maybe he went back to the van. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know what the history is between The Rock and Rocky, uh, Rocky Johnson, but when Tony Atlas saved him, there was a real good warm embrace there, but with Rocky Johnson, after he saves him, it was a sort of uh, a sort of tentative hug, shall we say, and that was it. Well, we'll, we'll never know now. Young Rock's being cancelled. I think there has been times in, in Rock's life where him and him and him and his father were estranged, but I thought that they were on pretty good terms in 1997. But I don't know. Maybe he just hadn't seen Tony Atlas in a while. It was funny yeah. on commentary too. They're like, "Does the, did Rocky even know that Rocky Johnson was here?" No, he just showed up. <laughs> he just yeah. <laughs> he happened to be in the area. <laughs> I, I, I did wonder at the Slammies though, because we do see Tony Atlas at a table, and he's got a young lady next to him. And you know, there's been all the rumors about to Tony Atlas's uh, preferences. In, uh... <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah, yeah, she might have been into some kinky shit. <laughs> Somebody, somebody might need to call 911. Uh, anyway, uh, interview with Ken Shamrock comes up next. Uh, he just kind of talks about how he beat up Billy Gunn on Monday Night Raw. Uh, sometimes you got to fuck around and find no. out, and that's what happened to Billy Gunn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
they asked him about the the match between Austin and and, uh, and Bret Hart, obviously, and he says he's just here to raise the winner's hand, and he will not be intimidated. He says he's also. I can't wait till we see him later because he's got a referee shirt on that's smaller than anyone Vince McMahon has ever worn, and that's saying something. <laughs> it was. It was very tight. <clears throat> At least he wasn't wearing Finn Balor trunks. That's the. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, The next one is an interview with Triple H with Hunter Hurst. He's going to discuss his relationship with China, and we're going to hear a little bit of this promo. With China, I mean, is she a personal assistant? Is she an employee? Is she your boss? What is the deal? Doc Hendricks, this is WrestleMania 13. We're in Chicago, Illinois. It's a granddaddy of them all. And as far as China goes, you don't need to know anything about it. All right, be that as it may, what about right now? Gold Dust. We've seen China get involved, attack Marlena. Can you take Gold Dust one on one straight up? I can take Gold Dust any way I want. Today I'm going to take him straight up one on one. But the big loser is going to be Marlena because you had the chance and you turned it down. So your special talent had better be running with China at ringside tonight, Marlena. I don't know if you really want to say I can take gold dust any way I want him. I just don't know if that's what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that one through, did it? I did pop for this moment because, you know, when he said about coming on and reviewing WrestleMania 13, I'd literally just watched WrestleMania 14. And Shawn Michaels' haircut is a tribute at 14 to Hunter's haircut at 13. <laughs> 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 well, Hunter did win best hair at the Slammies, so he certainly did. Uh, another thing is, is if I'm Marlena and I know I got to go out there and get fucking flung around by China, I'm probably just gonna call it sick. That's what I want. Well, we saw her. We saw we saw that swim costume she had on. That she totally didn't have dark. She certainly did have any trouble in that area. That's Everything was very tight and tidy. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. Um, <laughs> She should have just whipped out an oversized laptop to uh, China where it could have been fine. I mean, if she hit her over the head with like a 1990s laptop, that's doing some serious fucking damage. You know I mean? yeah. It's not like these 12 pound things we got now. Those things are like fucking 40 pounds. So yeah. I was really hoping that this match would save the show because so far it's been a goddamn mess. Um, and this was a decent, it was a pretty good, decent match. I think this is where the show kind of starts to turn the corner a little bit from where it went from being you know, hokey and campy to an actually good show. Like Rob said, where you, there's points in this show that look like they don't belong here. And then, you know, points where it looks like it's getting to cutting edge. And I think this is around the point where the show starts to get more cutting edge. Cutting edge. There's ref- there's references to Mr. Ed, the talking horse in this match. Uh, you know, I'm saying this is cutting edge. Although ironically, just before I watched this, I did watch the uh, Mr. Ed, the talking horse episode on wrestling. <laughs> Starring Ricky Starr, who was an absolute genius, a uh, world of sports uh, in the 60s sort of thing. But uh, I I don't know if it did turn the corner here. It might have been thinking about turning the corner here. There was a bit, though. Triple H comes off the top rope and Goldust blocks his attack with his ass. And... um, we just covered an episode of uh, Wrestlelicious, and there was the exact same uh, spot. And the commentator said it was shades of Pampiro Furpo versus Pedro Morales from the Garden in 1972. <laughs> so when I saw that, I was like, "Yes!" And then there was like a spot where Goldust gets Triple H, t- gets him like tied into the ropes, but he's like, it's not on the inside of the ring; it's on the outside of the ring. Yes. He's like on the apron. 
and he just starts like kicking the shit out of him. And I just don't think I'd seen a lot of guys tied up in the apron on the other side very often. So I thought that was pretty cool. Glenn, Glenn <laughs> Marlena was really working on that cigar out there, wasn't she? Oh, she was. <laughs> just chewing it, wasn't it? They actually said at the slam is that there's no teeth marks in that cigar. Well, they, they bloody were at WrestleMania 13. <laughs> <laughs> Chewing on that motherfucker, yeah. <laughs> She's probably thinking about how she's gonna get harassed with my China. She's like, Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a bit because um the, the finish there is um where Marlena gets up on the apron and gets the um Harley race knee from Triple H into uh China, isn't it? And then uh Goldust gets uh, rolled up. Yeah. It was it was a pretty it was a pretty uh, interesting finish the way they did it I thought because he kind of like it was like I think it was like a reversal I think Triple H was our Goldust was trying to throw Triple H into the ropes and Triple H reversed it and then it knocked Gold Marlena right into China's arms and then I think mm-hmm. Goldust turned right around and got the pedigree I think and that's yeah. how we beat him um, and then yeah the the funniest thing to me about this is that they, that you know. China's whipping Marlena around, fucking her up big time. She, She's really hurt on the mat, and they send no one out to help her. Not a soul. No, no medical, no. nothing. No. For, the, for the second time in a row. Yeah, thank God we didn't see Kerry Taylor running, though. That's the only thing I'm... Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Marlena does rag dull, Will. Oh, yeah. She flops around like a good... Definitely. 100%. She does, and and for all that I've said about WCW career, she did have an amazing presence as uh, sort of Marlena. In you know, she could just sit there and you know, that had so much charisma that the camera was completely drawn to her. So yeah. Yeah, I think she was a decent character in WWF. And I I think like when she started talking and they they like made her like I don't know more of a character. I thought I think it took away from the mystique of it. I thought it was better when she just didn't talk and she just kind of stood in the background. I thought that that was really mm-hmm. a really good way to play it, especially with that early gold dust stuff because bringing a woman in the whole thing kind of like threw everybody for a loop. Um, yeah, that was way ahead of its time. That gold dust stuff that was some really good shit. Yeah, because um, it was what yeah. is he dizzy or is he or is he and yeah. Which luckily for Todd Pettengill, he wasn't because Todd Pettengill won a hundred dollar bet, as we learned from the Slammy Awards. Um, <laughs> well, Todd, Todd Pettengill risked his life by uh, take, uh, shall we say, insinuating that China may have had more bits than she should have as, oh, a, yeah. as a lady. I <laughs> you couldn't have paid me enough to say that. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's there some off-color Jerry Lawler remarks on uh, WrestleMania as well about China. So yeah, yeah, yeah. in the crowd too that I was like, I'm surprised that they even like. I'm surprised they didn't edit those out when I saw them. Um, it, it does make you wonder when you do see signs on the network that are blurred out. It's like, what on earth did they say? I if say <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Wait, was there an actual picture of a guy's penis on there, or what the fuck yeah. is going on? Why? What was on there yeah. that was so bad? There's one a bit later on that I saw, and it was like, "Welcome to it." is gay in real life, but if you're not going to block that out, then I don't know what you're going to block out. Um, I love the guy that had one that said, "Yo, I'm a bum." Well, <laughs> you're at a wrestling show, we know. Yeah. <laughs> No, the the one that I'm thinking of, it's it's on in the main event, and it says, um, um, it's like um, Dino bummed me a smoke, and obviously Dino Bravo was uh, yeah. killed for his involvement in smuggling uh, cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 With a mafia power hit on him, and it's like. <laughs> 
I feel so bad for laughing so hard at that, but it's so funny. <laughs> uh, as soon as you said that, I was going to put my hand over my mouth so I didn't seem insensitive, but then you guys started laughing, so I'm like, oh, fuck, I'll laugh too. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good sign. Um, they show HBK in the back after the match. He's trying to figure out how to work the computer. Uh, he's chatting on AOL, which was a major deal in 1997. Like, I can't explain to people who don't know what AOL is what a major deal chatting online on AOL was in 1997. Oh, it was all the rage. You had some emails waiting for you. You had to dial in, grab your emails, get off the phone line as quickly as possible. <laughs> yep. And no one was going to be able to call your house if you were on the computer at the same That's time. Yeah, writing your reply offline and then dialing back in to send it and then getting back off again. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> streaming your video games on dial-up. It ain't going to work. <laughs> you certainly couldn't do anything surreptitious on it. There's the modem screaming, I'm working, I'm working. <laughs> yeah. I, had fr I had friends back in the day who would go into lesbian chat rooms and pretend to be lesbians. And I, I, I think about it now, I'm like, it was probably just a bunch of guys pretending to be lesbians. That's all it was. <laughs> A bunch of 14-year-old boys pretending to be lesbians. That's it. That's all it was. Uh, nothing they, nothing pretending about it. They like women. <laughs> I, I guess, you know what, Glenn? You, you make a lot of sense sometimes. Right? <laughs> I hope I get there. Uh, all right. I'm going to say this is where the show turns the corner, right? Yes. Just about. Just about. It's, on the, it's, on the, it's on the cusp here. It's turned its blinker on. The show has turned on its blinker. I don't know if you guys use blinker in, over there. I think you do, right? Yeah, because it's my favorite bloody outcome for these matches in 1997. Yeah. It's the WF's favorite outcome to tag team matches in 1997. <laughs> it's Mankind Invader taking on the Bulldog and Owen. It's a tag team title match. You guys think this version of Paul Bear is really weird? Yes. Yes. Uh, why has he got the urn with Mankind Invader? <laughs> What's going on there? Because the urn's supposed to hold like the Undertaker's power and stuff, and it is yes. literally just bringing it along with him as a memento or something. Yeah, that's that. That's that was the story behind it that he stole it from the Undertaker. Yeah, but why would you carry it around with you? That's so it could be used as a weapon. Yeah. You should have done a large laptop. That that would have helped him. I, I did. There, there were a couple of bits that I really did enjoy and that, that got mentioned here. Um, Vincent Man saying we're live on Sky Sports One, which, which was a great memory when you know we didn't have to pay for pay per views <laughs> over and above the, the sports <laughs> subscription. Um, and and Jerry Lawler said um, the only nine or two one zero that Vader's seen is on the weighing scales, and that's a nice callback because. Jenny Garth, who was in 90210, was the special guest at WrestleMania 10. She was. <laughs> that's like that's like six degrees of uh Yeah. Yeah, it's Kevin Bacon in this shit. Yeah, yeah, he's in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm surprised they never got Kevin Bacon on a WrestleMania. They should have. They should have. Uh, but I'm sure he was in something that someone else was in. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Garth were in something together. I also heard that she was like one of the worst guests, like the one of the worst guests that they had at WrestleMania to deal with. I guess that she was just like a super snuck, stuck up, like wouldn't talk to anyone. That's what I heard on the Bruce Pritchard podcast. Anyway, she could have been a sweetheart. I don't know. Anyway, she was no Cindy Margolis. No, she, she wouldn't get locked. She didn't get locked in the figure four by Jeff Jarrett, so she's no Cindy Margolis. 
Is yeah. it is it Lou Ferrigno at WrestleMania four, and that they're asking him? You know, he's a fan of wrestling, and and he's talking about um, Angelo Poffo and stuff, and people that have never wrestled for WWF, <laughs> who's his favorite wrestlers. <laughs> Like, huh? <laughs> yeah, but it was like, get him out, get him out, get him out of camera, and he keeps talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why he was just a Hulk. They never let him have any lines on the show. Um, <laughs> the Owen and the Bulldog got a decent pop from the crowd when they first came out, and I kind of think that that was because this is kind of a heel versus heel match, and I guess if you're going to pick one to root for, you're going to root for the guys who don't have weird masks and pull their own hair out, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. They should have stuck the salt on with these guys, shouldn't they? Well, if you think in the last few weeks, Davey's been getting over a lot more than Owen has. Owen's been doing all the all, all the really heel shit, and Davey's been trying to stop him, apart from the one time when Davey used to slam me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they sent JR over to try to interview Bulldog before the match. He asked Bulldog if he's upset that Owen said he was smarter than him. And then he's the leader of the team. Basically, Owen tells him to shut up, stop stirring up the Bulldog. Bulldog says pretty much the same thing, but then Owen Hart makes sure to let JR know when Bulldog is, you know, 10 steps away from him. We can't hear him. <laughs> but it felt cheeky from Owen as well. It wasn't even like out round this heel. It was just a bit cheeky chappy. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I had that. I love it. And finally, Vader is going to be able to get his hands on Owen Hart from what he find, what he did to him at the Slammy at night, Slammy Awards the night before. He got all the drinks thrown on him. Yeah. And, uh, Vader takes advantage of this by getting Owen in the corner and lighting him up with some punches. As, as he does. I, I was surprised at Vader at the Slammies being in a um, washed suit and tie sort of thing. <laughs> I thought <laughs> it would have been more Vader if it had been like stained and dirty. And not. Had like chocolate stains on the on the collar and everything. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Owen Hart was really good in this match. He did a, a lot of cool stuff. Hit a nice spinning heel kick. Uh, some fun opening moments of the match. I the match was really hard hitting at points. I thought it was a lucha rules match because there was like no tagging and people just ran in whenever they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, I've got in my notes. Somehow, Bulldog and League and Mankind appear to be legal now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's because the old thing. Remember, remember the, back in the day, they used to let the heel tag heel members of the tag teams get in and out of the ring without tagging. The referees wouldn't say anything. So I guess since they're both heel tag teams, they're just going to let people do whatever the fuck they yeah. want. Yeah, but that that was supposed yeah. to be behind the referee's back. <laughs> the referee just watched I, them now. <laughs> a bit. There's a bit I I loved about this as well. With Davy's gold of Vader. Um, now for for Davy to lift Vader like he did over his head. It takes a lot for Vader to help him to do it. But yeah. even through the mask, the surprised look on Vader's face was better acting than I thought Vader ever could. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was a really... I, that should have been a really big spot. And uh, again, the crowd the crowd just didn't seem to no. engage with it somehow. Yeah, he. I mean, they had a couple of really big spots. I think he body slammed Vader too, and then he kind of... Yeah. Like, Vader was yeah. jumping off the rope, and he countered it with a power slam, and that still got no reaction from no the crowd. Reaction like, the nothing, no reaction Nothing at all. Um, I thought Mankind think... and Vader made a pretty good tag team here. They look like a well-oiled machine. I mean, they look like a better tag team than Owen Hart and Bulldog did at times, but I guess that was also the story they were trying to tell at that point. It's the power of the urn. <laughs> 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 Yeah, to be the urn, yeah. I'm wondering if 
this uh, sort of lost something with the crowd because they teased the, the friction between Davey and Owen for so long, and then just before WrestleMania, they sort of pulled back on it. It, it, it did like, feel like that. It's like you know they're supposed to be doing this frenemies thing, and yeah, that it, it's almost like a friendly rivalry at this point. That's it. It's no wonder if people just lost interest in it because it'd been going on for weeks, and we'd seen the watching the Raw to Raw, we'd seen the build up of the tension between them. And then it was like somebody just stuck a pin in the balloon and all that tension went away. Yeah. I think I I know why they kind of were backing off on the tension between the two of them. I think it has a lot to do with what's going to come up with Bret Hart in Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks Um, because they're going to kind of all combine them all back together again. So I think that's why they wanted to keep – I think that's why they were kind of like – were kind of laying off on the tension between the two of them. No, they went to see Dr. Shelby. They had anger management, and uh, they became a tag team. <laughs> yeah, just like Team Hell No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, the part that was funniest to me is, like, they, Owen's looking for Bulldog to get a hot tag. He finally gets the hot tag to Bulldog. Bulldog comes flying across the ring, and he hits Vader so hard that Vader's mask comes off. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was so funny. It was like a Lego man, wasn't it? Just yeah. <laughs> 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 it was like a rock and sock and robot. It was fucking crazy. Which we are, at this point they're sponsored by Milton Bradley's Karate Fighters, aren't they? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got your next. Uh, I have your next mini series there, Rob. How about you check out the Karate Fighters tournament? <laughs> we did actually review the episode after the final, and I'd accidentally watched the wrong episode, and the episode after the final is, is turgid. But oh, the, yeah. uh, the, the one before, it was like, oh my god, this karate, I was telling Dan, I was like, no, no, seriously, you have to watch the karate fighters, it's better than... <laughs> yeah, the karate fighters pretty fucking good, I liked it. Uh, yeah, so eventually they get, they're get they fighting on the outside, there's a double count out, Mankind's got the mandible call like locked on the bulldog, and he won't let go that for was, nothing. That was evil. That was evil. He locked it in. When he's got him sort of hanging over the rope, he locked it in, and they just followed him to the floor with it, thrusting his fingers further down his throat. It was a great visual, though, because he, he sort of adds into this thing that, you know, mankind's this crazy character that, well, you know, once he's in that headspace, he's a monster and he won't let go. So I, I did like it from that point of view, but it was probably an awful spot to take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that should probably do feel good. But yeah, no, so it ends in a double uh, count out finish, which seems to happen quite often with these tag team matches. But I don't really have a huge issue with that because, I mean, what were, what were you really going to do? And either one of these teams losing or winning doesn't really matter because they're both heels anyway. And I thought it was a good match considering, you know, it's heel versus heel. And if you put it up against everything else we've shown so far, this is fucking five stars. (laughs) You got four of the best in the ring. Right. It should have been. Definitely. Definitely. Then they show us the a cool video recapping the feud between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart, and I will say it was really good to hear Todd Pettengill's voice in this and not listening to him sing because he sings yes. like shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- this has been through post production, though, hasn't it? This isn't live, so <laughs> they've had a chance to edit him out. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Can you just try it this way, Todd, rather than singing it? <laughs> Just try it, and we will use your version. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, 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 we will, but maybe the fans 
don't want to hear you sing about Stone Cold and Bret Hart. Maybe just this time. I'm just saying we'll try it, Todd. We'll try it. <laughs> the next match, uh, as JR would say, business is about to pick up. It is Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, battling Bret Hart in an I Quit match with Ken Shamrock as the special guest referee. Um, this has The pre-show is over. WrestleMania has started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The fireworks have just went off and the show is ready to go. Yeah. Um, this has to be one of the most iconic entrances in wrestling history where Austin probably shown coming from the back. You know, they have the Austin 316 glass on the on the entranceway. It crashes down to the floor as he comes walking through. And wow. What is somebody's having to sweep up the glass? I love that. They actually see somebody trying to sweep up the glass. I've been at an indie show after a death match and they've been cleaning up the ring and there's been a chant, yeah. let's go dustpan, let's go brush. Um, <laughs> but th there is so much that's been turned into a gif from this week of wrestling. You know, that thing with Stone Cold in, in his um, uh, shirt and bow tie, uh, like staring daggers and, you know, Stone Cold coming through yeah. the entrance here. You know, it, it really annoys me that there's a lot of 90s culture that isn't on gifts because you know old people don't make gifts unfortunately and i'm not clever enough but from the, you know this show and the slammies and all you know there's loads of stuff yeah definitely sometimes i look up stuff for gifts for like 90s wrestling and i can't find anything i'm like what in the fuck wow how is there not any gifts of thunder and lightning from wcw in 1993 how is that possible <laughs> yeah it's just all those fire and ice ones that are yeah. <laughs> keeping out the search engine that's it. I'm going to just start making gifts. It's going to be my whole entire thing. I'm going to quit my job and just make gifts. I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I've seen this match. I'm sure both of us, all of us have seen this match more than five times each, I'm sure. Um, mm -hmm. One of my favorite parts of this match, though, is when Brett first comes out, he gets into the ring and he starts to walk towards Austin and they have like a behind camera shot. And Austin kind of leans back in the corner like this. And then yeah. immediately it explodes and takes Bret Hart down as he starts beating on him. And I just thought that it was just a fucking awesome <laughs> way to start the match. It, yeah, it, it, it's absolutely brilliant. There are some really good spots in this match, and it's it's a, it's a really decent match. It, it's just a shame that the memory of it is is that, that Bret Hart's walked in as this ultimate face, and <laughs> there's a yeah. double turn at the end, and <laughs> you know, and Stone Cold's walked in as a heel, and and you know that um, that isn't true. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've, they've been building Bret Hart up. When you go back and watch it, you'll see Bret Hart gets, and they both get cheers when they come out, but Bret Hart gets like a roar reaction when he first comes through the curtain. And there's a lot of stuff that Bret does during that match that gets a real roar reaction. And there's one from Austin where he really gets one where Bret's up on the top rope and then Austin grabs the chair and he just fucking clobbers Bret on the head. <laughs> yeah. Fans went nuts for that one. They that, that came, The place came unglued when that happened. I, I love it when Bret goes out for the chair. And he picks up the wrong chair, and then he realizes he has to get the gimmicks chair. <laughs> and you can see on the gimmicks chair, there's like they've, they've scraped off with a coin some of the paint on the seat, so I'll know which one it is. <laughs> I think they got like some coffee spilt on it or something because there's like a puddle or something on it when he picked it up. Yeah. Well, uh, well, if it was that that color, I hope it was coffee. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Um, yeah, um, they start brawling through the crowd at the beginning. Did y'all see the really drunk guy in the jacket, the brown jacket? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
I didn't see him, but I just want to mention the jacket that Ahmed Johnson was wearing on the previous Raw. What the hell was that about? It was like four sizes too big for him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with Ahmed Johnson is going to be a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you just wait till Big T turns up in WCW. Oh, for like, oh Jesus. I just noticed this drunk guy because he starts, he rubbed Austin's yeah. head and he rubbed Bret Hart's head. And he looked like Captain Lou Albano rubbing Mankind's head at the Slammies. And I just yeah. thought it was so weird. And even, even the king mentions him. He says, hit that drunk with the, with, the, with the jacket on. And he means that guy that I was just talking about. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Well, there is a bit where um, Austin uh, like reverses um, like Brett's um, Irish whip and throws him into the guardrail, and it's just in front of Captain Lou and uh, Arnold Skoland and Tony Atlas. <laughs> it's really weird that the celebrities that they brought, well, the, you know, the former wrestlers that they brought back, because they went for all this period where they weren't acknowledging a lot of those people's careers, and then all of a sudden they're just just here at WrestleMania 13 for reasons. Yeah, well, Tony Atlas is here because he's just stalking the rock. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from tonight, is just gonna, just going to keep a respectful distance. Captain Lou Albano was in the back, and he was so drunk. They said, "Hey, why don't you go sit ringside?" Just go, yeah, just go out there. Yeah, fans will love it. Get out of here, you drunk son of a bitch. Uh, this fighting through the the crowd, though, it was excellent. Basically, because obviously the cameramen weren't taking any instructions from the production truck and hadn't a clue what was going on. We're trying to keep up for it. So it actually added a sense of reality to it. It's like watching WCW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it kept on losing them and then catching up with them again. And, yeah. I love the bit where um, Austin grabs a drink from the concessions guy and then throws it at Brett. He takes a big gulp and then chucks yeah. it. Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a part two where Austin like picks up the steel steps and he's getting ready to hit Brett with them, and Brett like kicks him in the gut. And the way Austin's like right leg bends, it looks like he'll never be able to walk again. But somehow he's fine. I don't know how. Yeah, it's it's weird, but isn't it? So, yeah. I think we I think yeah. we all know that his legs are just held together by those supports by this time anyway. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a bit in the main event where where um, Sid keeps coming off the second rope, and I'm like, oh no no don't don't Sid no, don't no. No. this yeah. is gonna yeah <laughs> it's not gonna rain well yeah. During, I didn't even notice it I've watched this match a bunch of times but I didn't realize it on the commentary until right now but there's a part where Austin hits a stunner on Bret Hart and they do a little foreshadowing for us. Jerry King Lawler says something along the lines of, oh, you don't want to knock him out because then he's not going to be able to quit. And then JR goes, well, if he knocks him out, the referee will have to end the match. And I think it's, yeah. it's just a little bit of foreshadowing yeah. for us. Laying the groundwork. So, so you were implying that this was set up? Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. No, no. 100% only up and up. Uh, <laughs> And I always find it weird during Bret Hart matches that he does the sharpshooter as his finisher. And I know you have to lock someone's legs around your leg, but it doesn't really hurt your legs. It more hurts your lower back. But he's yeah. always working on the person's knee. And they're like, oh, he's softening him up for the sharpshooter. But the sharpshooter more hurts your lower back than it does so much your knee. That's so right. He's supposed to bend your, bend your back and make, that, make it painful to your back more than your legs. Yeah. There seems to be this whole thing about how wrestlers understand wrestling and how the real world works. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it's like that nerve hold that they were doing in the Triple H <laughs> um, match, and you know, it, 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 there's just stuff that 
hurts because it's wrestling rather than real life. Yeah. Or the fact that if someone lands a drop kick, it doesn't hurt when they hit the mat, but if they miss the drop kick, it hurts like hell when they land on the mat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just one of those things, I guess. Uh, Bret Hart raps that does that cool figure four wrap around the ring post thing, which gets a gigantic pop from the crowd. Um, so another subtle little thing that I liked in this match was Brett goes to the outside, he grabs the ring bell and the chair. Um, I Rob already talked about this when he grabs the wrong chair and then makes sure he grabs the right one. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that was another yep. thing. In, the, in sorry, going back to the the nation of domination against well, we haven't watched it. Sorry. We haven't talked about that one yet. What, LOD and Nation of Domination? Yeah, it's after this match. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course it is. <laughs> that's all right. I'll oh, get confused. Right. Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. In, your fair, in fairness to you, Glenn, they put the, the fucking matches that all had all the fucking... That's because I was right talking about it earlier on. It should have been the, the start of the match. No, yeah. And I'm an old git, so it's bear fine. with me on it. It's fine. Uh, I also like the part where they show Brett, they show Brett Hart's daughter in the crowd where Stone Cold's working Brett over and she's got her hands <laughs> over. That was really good. Uh, <laughs> the king says they've got her hands over her face so they can't see how ugly she is like a father. Yeah. <laughs> it's Beth and Brett's parents, though. They keep, right, you know. <laughs> Wheeling them out for all his matches, and they just sit there, stony faced. I mean, Brett's turning into Stu Hart these days. He's so, so annoyed at the world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it's what what value have they added? I mean, the, the only thing I can assume is they're legitimately paid for front row seats, and the camera just happens to catch them. <laughs> I, I, well, I don't think that's it. They're just there as a target for the king, really, aren't they? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing out there. Even in the Owen Bulldog match, like they're watching Owen and Bulldog get the shit kicked out of him by Vader and Mankind, like right next to him. And they're like, ah, they're just yeah, whatever. okay. But but can you someone's had the conversation somewhere? We're going to WrestleMania. Oh, that's amazing. What sort of seats have we got? You're not gonna leave this. We're on the front row, but there is a catch. We sat next to Stu fucking Hart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he is gonna suck the enjoyment out of this experience. <laughs> He kept asking me if he could have me. I don't know why, but he kept saying, can I have you there? And I, I was so weird. He had one picture of his wallet. It was some jacked black guy. It was really strange. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, death eater of WrestleMania. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, I, we could go on and on about how great this match was, but it's oh, yeah. literally one of the best matches in Even. WrestleMania history. Even the way that Steve Austin bled was really good. That forward was pumping away there, especially at the end. Yeah. And, and it's the sign of the times that these days they wouldn't have been able to change that ring mat fast enough. No. <laughs> but it's 1997 and no one knows anything about the transmission of diseases. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, central. Yeah. it's like they didn't know about concussion. <laughs> None of that stuff. Drug abuse, they didn't know that was a problem. None of that stuff. Uh... You think we used to sit and watch it? And nothing. And nothing. And now you watch it back and you go, oh. Ow. It's funny because I've seen, the, I've seen the screenshots for that AEW Fight Forever game and it's like there's the mat covered in blood and oh, this is completely unrealistic. Then you watch WrestleMania 13 you're like, that's where they got it from. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe not. <laughs> 
the ending comes. Bret Hart's got you know Austin the Sharpshooter for what seems like forever. He finally just passes out from from the blood loss and the pain. Uh, Bret starts beating him up at the end, and I really enjoyed the part with Bret Hart and Ken Shamrock being where Bret, Bret Bret looks like he's gonna do something, but then he backs off like a heel should. Yeah. I thought it was really good stuff. Um, I, I mean, Shamrock looked like an absolute star here. I mean, obviously they didn't have the money to bring Tank Abbott in, but they've gone for the next most affordable option. Yeah. And yeah. and he looks like an absolute star. Yeah, he's wearing like he an, extra, an extra small referee shirt too, so it looked really nice. But he could, he could have quite easily sort of dominated that match, and he didn't. He actually did a good job of refereeing it. Yep. You didn't actually notice him that much until you had to. Yeah, which is good refereeing. I, I thought good refereeing was like Miz doing all the moves in the background and flailing your arms around wildly. <laughs> no, that's AEW <laughs> <A-W> refereeing. <laughs> that's AEW <laughs> refereeing. So I gotta, I just want to ask you guys on your all-time WrestleMania match list, where where would you guys rank this one, Glenn? What do you think? Is that top five, top ten, number Easy, one? E- easily top five. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's got to be top five. Yeah, I mean, you're sort of thinking off the top of your head. Um, I mean, there's Brett Owen at ten, isn't there? That's a really good match. Yeah. Um, take yeah, a, I mean, take, take take a uh, HBK at fifteen. You mean twenty five? But yeah, twenty five. Yeah. That's that's probably my best. That's probably my favorite match ever. But I probably got that as number one for me too. And then Austin Brett being number and two. And then Austin Brett being number two. Yeah. Uh, um, Savage Warriors a ridiculously good match considering the Warriors involved because Sherry is <laughs> on fucking top form. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> She's fucking awesome in that match. That's the best match the Ultimate Warrior ever had by far. Yeah, yeah, by, by a long way. It's not even close. It's like. <laughs> People always say Hogan versus Warrior, but I'm like, you, have you seen Savage versus Warrior? Because it's light years better than Hogan Warrior. So certainly you're not going anywhere near AEW IP then. It's like it's two things. It's, it's a good wrestling match, and two, it involves the Warrior. Yeah. Well, we like to show stuff that involves the Warrior because it gets Mayor up in a tizzy. Yeah. So that's what we like to do because he hates him so much. Yeah. Uh, I remember that Survivor Series we were watching where he said he wanted to dig the Ultimate Warrior up and fight him. That was a classic. (laughs) (laughs) The next up is a promo from Farouk. Uh, We're going to hear from old Farouk. Ahmed Johnson, Legion of Doom, set to meet the Nation of Domination. There are two-by-fours. There are billy clubs. There are garbage cans. There are nunchucks. You guys have everything but the kitchen sink. Well, you forgot they're the thugs also. They say the crooks and the criminals come out at night. Well, guess what? They're out tonight in Chicago. And that punk, colored boy, Ahmed Johnson, and the road warriors, they're going to get just what's coming to me. You think I don't have the kitchen sink. Well, just wait and see. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved this. Now I, I don't know if any any of you have watched ICW at all. Um, there was yeah. a um, a series of matches between um, Liam Thompson and Wolfgang, and uh, Liam Thompson kept putting things on the line, and uh, he, you know he put his house on the line yeah. and stuff, yeah. and he put his car on the line, and he kept losing. And the only thing he was left with was his kitchen sink, which he used to carry around with him. He, he had a bindle that he was carrying to the matches. <laughs> his clothes in and he was keeping his bottles of urine because that's the only thing he owned um but uh, yeah when i saw that sink i was like it's uh, where's my liam thompson sink 316 t-shirt yeah that's awesome 
<laughs> I've never heard of that before, but that's fucking amazing. That's great. Wow. <clears throat> Man, that's why somebody hasn't nicked that gimmick for TV. Come on. Um, that's good stuff. Well, Baron Corbin kind of didn't. Baron Corbin was kind of doing that. Anyway. If you had a bindle, though, that would have made it even better. <laughs> <laughs> bindle would have been really good, yeah. <laughs> that's fucking amazing. Just like Shaw Samuels at the end, of, at the end of NXT UK where he just didn't have any of his stuff. Remember that, Clint? Because he lost all his money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so next up is the Chicago Street Fight. The Nation of Domination will take on Ahmed Johnson and the Legion of Doom. Glenn, what do you think? Are there any chances that this feud will end after this match? This the whole thing between Ahmed Johnson and the Nation. You think it'll just go away? No, no. This is going. This is running and running. And this is uh, this is the mousetrap of nineteen ninety seven. This keeps going and going. It's the Energizer Bunny of nineteen ninety seven. <laughs> It is because, you know, JC Ice and Wolfie D are actually given something to do in the nation. Um, because when they first did the talent exchange with the USWA, um, they, they were bringing them in because they were USWA's biggest draw and they were just like losing in tag team matches on Raw. <laughs> and they just sent like over Barry Howitz as an exchange or something. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> so it's the entire nation, too. It doesn't just say that it's Crush Savio and Farouk, it's the entire nation of domination. Yes, is just three other guys, I guess. Um, so it's Ahmed Johnson and, and LOD versus all these motherfuckers. D'Lo Brown in the background. Yep. <laughs> D'Lo Brown was involved in this thing, absolutely. D'Lo Brown, a lot. They were all there. The whole I, I, love, I love that D'Lo Brown's a chartered accountant. It's like you know, he's BW with New Jack and the chartered accountant in the background. <laughs> Um, and they're always talking every time we talk they talk about you know uh, no rules matches or street fight we're going to bring everything but the kitchen sink well this time LOD and Ahmed Johnson they've brought it they have brought they bring the kitchen sink, sink. Yeah. and I'm wondering where the fuck are the nasty boys because they need to cushion this sink and get some piss in there that's the only thing I can think of when I saw that sink is where are the fucking nasty boys Looking for they're the in sink. WCW stealing a living at this point <laughs> <laughs> pissing in their sinks. They're pissing in WCW's sinks, yeah, and count a whole bunch of money at the same time, yeah. That's why there was a spare one to go around that Army Johnson could nick. <laughs> at least it wasn't off a balcony. Yes. Yeah, at least it wasn't. So they start off the match by beating up the White Rappers and even Clarence Mason, which I thought that was really funny when they punched Clarence Mason. I don't know why, <laughs> but I just thought it was hilarious. I always thought Clarence Mason was a really good promo, though. It, you know, he's uh, a, a great manager to have. Um, yeah. I remember that there was a time when he was um, like, was he? Was he? Did he, he managed um, Owen and Yoko, didn't? Or he was sort of in Cornets, you know, yeah. entourage sort of thing, and they, they lost the title, and then he got a legal precedent so they wouldn't lose it. <laughs> yeah, and then like I remember, like uh, Diana Hart was saying that Shawn Michaels like assaulted her or something and clarence mason was her lawyer or something and that's like when he first came in um and also jr called a summer a some somersault plancha in this match and i did not see that coming <laughs> 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 I, I, I think i think that must mean something to do with college football <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be it's a play in the oklahoma sooners run it's called the sun some somersault plancha. It's, yeah, it's, it's probably turned to the king and said, "Is he swearing?" <laughs> yeah. God damn, Jr. We can't talk like that on TV, pal. Yeah. We've got this PlayStation blimp in the house. They'll they won't they don't approve of that. God damn. 
uh, mini mankind listening in with one. <laughs> 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 I want to I want to tell you guys all the weapons that I saw in this match. Okay, you ready? A nightstick, a trash can, a two by four, hacksaw Jim Duggan style. They used a fire extinguisher, a road sign. They even got out a noose at one point. Yeah. I'll let that hang there for a second, ladies and gentlemen. A noose. Yes, they had a noose out. Which multiple people got hung literally in this match. Not just one person. This wasn't one spot. <laughs> we started yeah. with Army Johnson. That, that did go well. No, it didn't go no. well. They even grabbed Marlena's like director's chair from under the ring and were swinging yeah. that shit around. Yeah. And then <laughs> the, the evening that Marlena's had, you know, she, she's been ragged around and bear hugged by China. She's had gold dust. As far as she knows, gold dust has knocked her off the apron. And now the, the ultimate insult, a director's chair. They'll, they'll be smoking the cigars next. <laughs> yeah, goddamn. Is nothing sacred? You would thought she would read a. A better built one, though, because he threw it and it just sort of fell apart in the air. I, I just hope that a laptop's password protected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Animal hit a pal driver on Farouk on, on one of the very, I think it was the French announce table, and that was one yeah. strong-ass little table because it didn't even bend. <laughs> it didn't give a no. Just bounced off it, didn't they? It's, uh, but yeah. it's nice to see uh, Ray Rougeau on the French commentary as well, though. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Yeah, it's always good to see Ray. He's he's the Rougeau brother that everybody likes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the... So, basically, after that, they, they decided that they're going to try and take out the... Because it didn't work the first time. We'll take out the French announce table again. and managed to obliterate it the second time. Yeah, they did. Yeah. How good was that fire extinguisher, though? They must have used it about <laughs> ten times. I mean, no, you could no, put out... There was yeah. three fire extinguishers. Uh, there was two gimmicked ones, and there was the one that nearly killed everybody. <laughs> because somehow, a real... You know, this is a story that I've managed to research on this, is that there were two gimmicked ones that they were supposed to use, and there was a real one that somehow got under the ring by mistake. Oh, and, the first one, and the first one they let off was the real one. And nearly not only killed the first row of the audience, but Keith, King J.R. and Vince as well as everybody ringside. You wouldn't have noticed with Stu and Helen Hart, though, would you? <laughs> <laughs> they just been sat there stony face. Everybody would have been collapsed around and they would have just been sitting there going... Yeah. <laughs> just, just as animated as they were before. Yeah, you, JR even says on commentary, I think, yeah, hell of a place to sit if you've got asthma. I think is the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it too. It was like leaving just, residue everywhere. And you don't usually see that for a gimmick one. Because if you notice, residue everywhere. Because if you notice the third one, because Farouk's already let one real one off, he's not trusting this one and he fired it into the air before he started spraying people just to make sure that that wasn't a real one. <laughs> but, but it's good that JR had the you know WWF snark years before his AEW yeah. snark. Yeah. <laughs> he's been working on that snark for a while. Yeah. Um, to call this match a fucking cl a clusterfuck would be an understatement because it was a total clusterfuck. Every people were flying all over the place. There's shit everywhere. It went six or seven minutes longer than it needed to. It was a lot longer than it needed to go. Um, I actually enjoyed it. 
I'm sorry. The the, it, the crowd loved it. The the crowd were on fire yeah, for this match. Yeah. yeah. If you think about the story of what's been happening with the with the nation of domination, it always had to culminate in this sort of clusterfuck. And this is the first time that they've either won or lost cleanly in a match. That's Ooh. a very good point. <laughs> One of my guilty pleasures is the original Glow, uh, and every three or four episodes does a match like this with chainsaws yeah. and pe yeah, people running yeah. around with, with scant regard for health and safety, and, and, and I just love it. <laughs> I would have liked it more if it hadn't went for so long. I just felt like uh, it was too long. It was good for a little. It was good for you know about five minutes, but then it just started to get it started to get like clusterfucky for me. Um, I think the thing that, that wasn't great was there were a lot of repeated spots. Yeah. So you know, we're going to hang someone with the noose. That should be a one-off thing. That should be a big thing. But when we're multiple people yeah. are being hung over the top rope with that one noose and multiple fire extinguishers, you know, the, if you just use those things sparingly, it would have been better. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was no need to. There was no need to be hanging animal after it already. Already and done. a go at Armored Johnson. Right, exactly. Do, do you think they were worried about the optics of Ahmed being in that position and they thought if we do it to Animal as well, we've covered yeah. ourselves? Yeah, I think it might well have been. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if they would have came to me and said, Hey, we're gonna use a noose, I would have went, I don't think so. It's probably not <laughs> like, yeah. struggle with a camera cord or something. Why would we have a noose? Uh I, I saw them hang Chris Travis off a, off a balcony at Preston City Wrestling, so you know this was quite tame. Oh yeah, that was I was at, I was at that. That was bloody. Well, yeah. That was. No, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so we've been in the same place at the same time, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no tears in the matrix. It's a, you know, but it's, it's, it's like with progress. The amount of people that I know have been to the same progress shows, but you get so many people there that you know, yeah, because you didn't know people at the time. Yeah, not in the book in Preston. There's probably only about 100 people there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But... yeah. It's well, burnt down now, that, that venue. Is it? Uh, yeah, which which could have been an insurance I, job. I was Who knows? Say, I was going to say, I'm sure the insurance company were well happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they hit LOD hits a doomsday device, and then they close line, crush with the two-by-four for the win. Were you going to say they're going? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say... That's not the only two doomsday device that happens. Oh yeah, they hit a double one on the white just, rappers yeah, with yeah. Ahmed Johnson holding up one and 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 a hot animal holding up the other one. That was really cool. Fucking that was, it was. Yeah, no, that was a good visual. That was, and, and you know, the crowd have come to see Legion of Doom come out in the spikes. Ahmed Johnson coming out in spikes again is a yeah. bonus, and and a double uh, electric chair doomsday device. The crowd are going on happy, and it wasn't even the end. No. Yeah. The funniest thing about the end of this is the, the Legion of Doom, Mocking Animal, Fresh as Daisies, they could probably do another match. And Ahmed Johnson looks like he has worked an iron, a 60-minute Iron Man match that went into overtime. <laughs> he was blown sky high after this match was over. I, I loved Ahmed Johnson in the 90s, but when I go back and look at him, I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe the memory of him is better than him himself. <laughs> yeah, his enigma was better than actually him. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're getting to the main event here, but first, Shawn Michaels makes his way out to the ring. Uh, if you'll remember, he said on Monday Night Raw a couple weeks ago he was going to be calling the main event. Hmm. Uh, 
as Shawn Michaels makes his way all right. the way around the ring to slap everyone's hand in the fucking arena. I can show I can tell you why. Um, they extended his entrance by a bit because after the last match, Taker and Sid basically went to whoever was producing it because uh, to whisper in Vince's ear and make it. A, they basically said there is no way we are going to have a a normal wrestling match after that, and yeah. that is why on commentary, eventually Vince goes, "Oh, Gorilla Monsoon has decided to make this a no DQ match." Yeah, the, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Is what we're saying at the start of the show. They, they should have put that eight man yeah. here. Mm. Definitely, that's right. Yeah, and you got you got two season pros, <laughs> the Undertaker and said. So they, they've gone and basically said, there's no way we're going to compete with that. Not with just a normal match between Ooh. us two. I figured that they just extended his, um, I figured they extended his interest just so Vince could kiss uh, Shawn Michaels' ass some more. Because that's basically what this was. <laughs> the the well, way... Obviously, the... obviously there was that in it as well. Yeah, that's one The way Vince was looking at Shawn on Raw. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, that, I mean, that that's, that is true love. Yeah, and, and there's this expression that promoters are, always love their main stars, you know, um, and, and obviously Sean was, you know, a, a big draw, but there's loving your main star, uh, and yes. then there's Dixie Carter inviting them round for uh, pool pictures <laughs> at the house, uh, and this was Dixie Carter inviting him round for pool pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely lust rather than... Definitely. And before the main event, we get something that we always like to hear on this show, and that's a promo hey! from Psycho Sid. So let's... Psycho Sid, this could be the most important night of your WWF career as you meet The Undertaker. Guy Pettigill, you are right, my friend. WrestleMania is the biggest event of the, of the world, and it <laughs> comes once a year. But the night when darkness falls, every man, woman, and child scared except for one person only one person is that scared of the darkness and one person is that scared of the undertaker and that is me my friend i am the master i am the ruler of the world there you go he goes to yell to quiet to yell to quiet yeah there are times in Sid's career when he is brilliant, mm. and then there's times in Sid's career when he's just like, oh, "What are you doing, Sid?" <laughs> this is why we are going to to nick your your Tank Abbott gimmick and do the life and times of Sid once we're finished with NXT UK. Well, we are we are still upset about Sid beating Tank Abbott. <laughs> we'll have to have you on for that. <laughs> Oh, it's traumatic, but uh, no, we we loved um, Sid in his Millennium Man gimmick that we've watched through the the Tankataris in yeah. late '99, and that WCW dub makes Sid better. When I was watching this, I was playing Sid's WCW dub over yeah. the top of it for his ring entrance because it makes him feel like a bigger deal. So finally, the most up in the air WrestleMania main event up until this point, because this is like a flip flop. At first, they wanted to have Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels as the main event of WrestleMania. That went out the window, and then they wanted to do something else, and then they finally landed on Sid versus The Undertaker. Um, 
and they've totally made this a no disqualification match for the reasons that Glenn just explained. Uh, Taker kind of took it back to the old school look here, didn't he? He certainly did. Yeah, got old school Taker coming out, taking 10 minutes to get to the ring. Well, that's normal anytime Taker, except when he rides his motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, he had like the gray gloves and he had like those gray things that yeah, go over his yeah. boots. And he had been wearing purple more recently. Um, mm-hmm. I always were. I always wondered how he wrestled with those fucking gloves on. His hands had to be so fucking sweaty. In those things. Uh, at least it's not MMA Undertaker. That you know that this is you yeah. know that this spooky paranormal character that is really interested in mixed martial arts and the best puncher in the game. It's like, no, you, you don't cross Vampiro with Tank Abbott and just stick him on the screen. Yeah, that's well, that'd be interesting. Though. <laughs> it really was. Oh, oh, we could have just signed Vampiro and Tank Abbott and been happier. <laughs> that would be a hell of a tag team right there. Um, the, the bell rings, but then Bret Hart makes his way out to the ring. He gets on the mic, and uh, this made me laugh. He calls Shawn Michaels a phony faker and tells him, yeah. take your pussyfoot knee injury, and whatever you do, stay out of this match. <laughs> yeah. Really do, do we think that on this show, Bret Hart was getting paid by the hour or getting paid by the appearance? Yeah, this is my second WrestleMania appearance this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need two Mania checks, damn it. Uh, and just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold on there, buddy. Uh, yeah. just, just before Bret Hart heads to the Tank Abbott Memorial Pay window. He <laughs> <laughs> then tells the Undertaker that when you close that cage door in my head, every our friendship went out the window, and now there's a new set of rules between you and me. He then tells Sid that I'm the real champion. Everybody knows it. And then Sid says, get your crybaby ass out of here. And <laughs> yeah. hits him with a powerbomb. Yeah. Which was great. Everyone loves to Sid powerbomb. <laughs> and when he lifted him up, did you see? He sort of put his hand underneath Brett like a waiter holds a tray of drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's how light Brett Hart was to Sid. <laughs> Uh, the match finally starts and what you really want to do in a much anticipated main event match in the opening couple minutes is lock in a bear hug that's what's it of course well just just before that to get rid of bret hart the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be rene goulet came out to take him to the back yeah (laughs) thank god Uh, Rene Goulet with one of the worst haircuts in the history of the world, and he rocked that thing forever. Yeah, yeah it was awesome, that. <laughs> Have you ever seen um, Rene Goulet on Tuesday Night Titans, where he's got his own cookery section? <laughs> no, no, but I need to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you need to get on that. You guys might have a different opinion of this match than me, but it was, I, I didn't expect to get Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero <laughs> versus Sid, and I expected it to be slow and prodding, but this was slower and prodding. It was a chore to, for me to sit through this match. It was 20 minutes long, and it felt every second of an hour long for me. It and it was made worse with the split screen of Shawn Michaels on commentary. Yes. Yeah, they do that all the time. They're, they're they're doing it all the time in '97 with split screens. Yes, one of the amount of matches we've missed because <laughs> you've got a little screen in the bottom corner that's the actual match, and then a, somebody doing a promo with a big screen. And I didn't think Shawn Michaels added anything to it, this match on commentary. No. I honestly thought he was 
pretty fucking bad. <laughs> I mean, he just wasn't good. Um, All he did was put the Undertaker over and talk shit about Bret Hart. That was it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But there was a good thing about this match. Someone in the front row had a sign that said La Femme Nikita Koloff. And <laughs> the, the <laughs> film that followed Raw was La, La Femme Nikita. As, I, as, as Vince refers to every week. Yeah, they love that. Vince loves that La Femme Nikita girl. He's like, God damn, pal, I love her. <laughs> and apparently it's better than Robin Hood. It's, yeah, it's better than the Robin Hood show they show after Nitro, apparently. Um <laughs> The most exciting part for, of the match for me was when they both big booted each other in the face. That was surprising. Yeah, that was, yeah. Like, that was sort of big boots out of nowhere. I thought they told a really good story, though, that the, both of them are usually used to being the biggest person in the match. Yeah. And, you know, ha having that advantage yeah. and sort of cancelling each other out in a lot of regards. Well, he showed that, as Brent was saying, about the bear hug. Sid's actually got Undertaker off his feet. But he can't hold him there, so Undertaker just sort of slides down him until he's he's right in his face again. Yeah, that part wasn't planned. That's probably just what happened. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> it. yeah, no, yeah. That, that's what happens when you grease the Undertaker before the match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. grease taker. And then, as Rob mentioned before, Sid did a lot of like top rope and middle rope attacks during this yeah. match, like three or four times, which you don't see Sid go off his feet very much. And you'll learn later on in WCW why he doesn't go off his feet very much. Um, this is really <laughs> weird to me. And he, and he was doing rest holds. I don't recall seeing Sid do a whole lot of rest holds. It was just a strange. They, they even mentioned on commentary that Sid was having to, you know, combat the Undertaker's size by doing stuff that he wouldn't normally do. Taker goes for a tombstone, but Sid is able to counter the tombstone and hit a tombstone of his own. Um, that just leads to a two count, though. And then, uh, speaking of Bret Hart showing up at the pay window, he's back. Three, three, three WrestleMania appearances. He comes up with a chair. He hits Sid in the back a couple of times. Um, but that doesn't bring an end to the match. They still keep going. Undertaker, for some reason, hits a show well, slam on Sid. But then but before, before, before that, though, who was back to get rid of Bret Hart again? The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, Rene Goulet. <laughs> well, maybe for Rene Goulet had been blocking the entrance area, we could have kept Bret Hart from getting his fourth <laughs> WrestleMania paycheck. Yeah, well, well, Goulet wants two WrestleMania paychecks, doesn't he? That's a good point. I, I mean, you're, you're mocking him, but, you know, you'll come to WrrestleMania 14, there'll be no Rainier Goulet, and you'll be sad. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I guess you're right. Um, so then, Sid, yeah, Undertaker, not Undertaker, Brett shows back up. Uh, he's kind of arguing with Sid. On, he's fighting with Sid on the apron. Then he does that thing where you take the person and, like, wrench their neck on the top rope. He then falls back into the tombstone for the Undertaker, to the Undertaker for the three count and the Undertaker gets the win here with a little bit of help from Bret Hart. And I just don't, I don't think the Bret Hart running at the end was, especially the very last one. I don't think it was needed. I, I think I thought it took away from the Undertaker's big victory at WrestleMania by having mm -hmm. him seemingly get help from Bret Hart to win. And I just don't think it added anything because it's not like Bret's not going to feud with Sid now. So I just didn't understand why they had to interject Bret Hart into the match. I just didn't know that, that fourth running really moved Bret Hart. Into a bigger house because he's got four paydays. <laughs> I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you know, this match you want to talk about, Glenn, before we move I just, I, I just think why the, ho the, the hokey ending to it. Yeah. 
as a big Undertaker fan, it is disappointing where every time they put him in a title shot, they have to come up with a, a hokey ending for him to win the title. He shouldn't have to. He's a phenom. He should be able to win it without worrying about somebody using a chair or power bombing somebody onto a chair or whatever to, right. to help him I, win. I can't wait till you start doing your Sid retrospective and you're looking at this through a Sid lens and you're like, Sid was robbed. I can't yeah, believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to treat him like this. Yeah, it's all right. Sid was robbed. The only one that wasn't robbed out of this is bloody Bret Hart. <laughs> I, I did love it. I did love every time that Goulet ran down those Tony Guerrero in the background going, I'm not taking a bump, I'm not taking a bump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's above my pay grade. Right? Well, yeah, right. I'm not doing that. You're gonna have to up my contract if you want me to take bumps. Uh so yeah, the, the show goes off the air with the Undertaker celebrating in the ring with the championship belt. Um any final thoughts from you guys on the WrestleMania 13 before we get out of here? Uh I would say it was a show of two halves. It was a show of two thirds and one third that uh, felt like you know it really taken off, sort of thing. But the last three matches, you know, would stand up. You know, in not necessarily in terms of in ring content, but in terms of fan engagement, in terms of them being WrestleMania quality matches. What you think about Showcase of the Immortals are right up there. Before that, it's a little bit creaky. You're it was basically like you're watching like a WrestleMania seven, and then all of a sudden you're watching like a WrestleMania fourteen. That's like that's the way it felt. It went from like a really hokey ninety early nineties pay per view to like an Attitude Era pay per view uh, in the final three matches. What about you? Yeah, it, it's like they said to Jim Cornette, "We'll give you the first hour and forty five minutes." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody came out of a box, motherfucker. He was campaigning for it. They just couldn't get a box in time. <laughs> there was not any area. Imagine if Brad come out of a box three times. Oh, God. <laughs> it would have really been over. Yeah. They should have started with Ahmed Johnson and the LOD against the Legion of Doom. I, I think as well with them. The the with, with modern pay-per-views, they kind of have this almost middle-of-the-card main event. You know, Cody Rhodes is, you know, the, the, the king of that it before the intermission match, isn't it? Right. And yeah. maybe if they put Brett Austin, you know, they started out with the Legion of Doom, and, you know, had a match, yeah. whatever, and um, had Brett Austin at the middle, and then take a sit at the end. It probably felt like a much more balanced card. Yeah, I also think people would look back on the show with better favor if it was if the if the card placement was better. Because right now, I think people look at this as like a not good WrestleMania. But if you would have stacked the card differently, I think people would be looking at this in a much different light. Yeah, the trouble was is. Uh, it didn't really feel like a WrestleMania. Oh, although I, that was my I, big take from it. Sorry. I like that for his two minutes forty-five in us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy that. Yeah, you swear it's a bit of razzmatazz and stuff from WrestleMania, and it just sort of lacked it. And the slow start to it didn't help. It, it's kind of unbelievable that. You know where where the company goes in the next couple of years from this point, and that they are going to the stratosphere. You know that they are going to the hottest period since Daddy Haystacks in eighty one. Mm. That that it's 
unbelievable that Sean is gone in a year after this. You know, you think of Sean Michaels' run, and you don't think it's going to be over that quickly, and, and it is. And and where The Rock is a year from now, where Stone Cold is a year from now, you know, th- this company is moving and moving fast. And we, we've, you know, it's this sort of moment in time, and some of it's good and some of it's, mm, but you know, it, it just just the progression it goes from this point is insane. And that is why we are doing War of Attitude. <laughs> And that's why we're doing because, this show, and that's why we're going to keep watching Raws from 1997 every week on all the pay-per-views. <clears throat> well, that does it. It was our, it was a pleasure having you on, Rob. We need you to let everybody know what can they, where can they listen to you? Where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Let us know. Well, Glenn normally shouts all this stuff out for me, which I'm extremely uh, grateful for. You know, it's uh, been banging the drum for us, so uh, that that is very much appreciated. It, it really, really is. Um, you can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers. I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back. Uh, our main show on Booking the Territory, we're looking at the first and lasts of wrestling, so debuts, finales, that kind of thing. Uh, coming up, we're doing an episode. It's the last episode. We're doing the last episode of. Um, um, WWE wrestling but before Superstar started in, in the 80s, uh, which is a great show. And um, we, we're doing WCW Snow Brawl and Beach Brawl, which uh, is absolutely insanity. WCW's one trip to Mexico. Um, so we've got some interesting stuff there. Um, uh, we've got a couple of side projects uh, that you keep mentioning on here as well. And, and again, I've sort of alluded to certainly on Booking the Tankatory, where we follow the ups and downs of the Indian career of, you know, if you could afford more than Ken Shamrock, you'd get Tank Abbott. So we're following Tank Abbott's career. Uh, and that's been an absolute joy. I think he only ever had 41 wrestling matches, but it's turned into a life of his own because we've ended up reviewing all the Nitros and Funders because we have found a lot of the 99-2000 TV actually really well-written television. I know, I know it doesn't get that um, review in the IWC, but you know you, we've got... Um, bits coming up to the break where there's hangers hangers at the end of the show storylines running through the show and we find it really engaging so we're perhaps looking at that area of wrestling in a way that a lot of people don't so it's, it's worth che- worth checking out uh, the other thing and you said you wanted me to explain why on earth we're doing it we're looking at the only time that professional wrestling championship ever changed hands by legitimate sporting competition the bte gator golf series um, so on being the elite, and I always thought a little bit short change when AEW started because I used to watch being the elite, and being the elite was incredibly gimmick pl- um, focused. You know, um, who, we, we don't talk about him now; he's been redacted. But there was a storyline about who killed Joey Ryan, that kind of thing, and Hangman Page was doing his Kevin Von Erich not wearing shoes because there'd been blood on his boots, sort of thing that would link him to the murder and all this sort of stuff. And uh, in the middle of all that craziness they had um, a, a gate golf tournament and, and we're taking a sporting presentation view to it. So we're not taking this as, you know, um, well, because it, it's not kayfabe wrestling. This legitimately happens. So we're going through with these crazy, wacky wrestling characters that are playing gate golf for, for reasons for a championship. <laughs> and um, it, it, it's become insane because we get some ridiculous decisions and we're arguing about, you know, we need VAR and <laughs> the referee is really bad. <laughs> They really take it seriously. (laughs) Well, it's going to get more insane in in, you know when we eventually get to season two of it because after the Gator Golf Tournament, they went into like playing beer pong and and taking field goals and stuff as. (laughs) 
Oh shit! I didn't know all that. Wow, that's gonna be something. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it didn't it didn't last too long, and it was a shame. And the reason it didn't last is that uh, they, they let Sammy Guevara take the title over to his vlog, and it just died a death. Uh, well, <laughs> nobody likes Sammy Guevara. Sorry, I'm, I'm saying it now. Nobody likes him. <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that Danny actually gets genuinely upset about some of the things that happened during Gator Golf. Dan gets ridiculously upset about a lot of stuff. I mean, I mean, he, his feelings towards Jeff Jarrett, uh, uh, <laughs> the, the violent vitriol. You know, yeah, I, I can't. I, I can't imagine having that much violent vitriol to anything in my life that isn't Leeds United or Bradford City. But um, <laughs> yeah, See, but no, we're having fun. Soccer, and no, I get that joke. I get the joke. Yeah. <laughs> I did actually see earlier today, I didn't know this existed. Um, Glenn, you'll remember um, Soccer AM on Sky. Yes, yeah. And, and back in, you know, the um, early noughties or whatever, they used to have soccerettes or whatever. Yeah. Um, there were ladies wearing football shirts who came on and talked yeah, about the football teams. They had Angelina Love and Velvet Sky come on as Leeds United fans and Tom Bradford City fans. <laughs> Wow! Oh dear. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did they let the pigeons loose? I'll send you the link. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to try and convince Dan we need to review Soccer AM for wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else you want to point yeah. out? Tim Lovejoy was brilliant. I loved him. Yeah, yeah. No, I really enjoyed that. But yeah, no. Um, that, that's all we're doing at the moment. Uh, we, we do have some. Um, um, ideas of where we may go when Tankatory and uh, the Gator Golf ends, but uh, what watch this space? We will wait with bated breath to find out. Glenn, this is going to be a lot easier for you. What do you need to plug? <laughs> Just give me a follow at GA Wrestle Nut on Twitter, unless you're a sex bot. Um, They're following you anyway, whether you like it or not. Yeah. I, I want to know on Twitter how you can block multiple Twitter accounts. I've got about 28 of them that have popped up over the weekend. You have to do it one by one, Glenn. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's a bloody pain in the ass. Anyway, apart do, from do they that, have um, come on? Do they have come on you Spurs in the title? Is that why you're blocking them? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be one reason. Yeah. Anyway, apart from that, uh, give DDT Wrestling DC and Doc a listen. Um, we've already referred to him, Andy at Bang Bang Podcast. That's the right. we did talk. British we did version talk. of a work in progress, basically. So. That's what we like to say. Um, but yeah, make sure you check out Sportswire Radio. Give our buddy Thomas Bryce a follow on Twitter. It's Thomas Bryce 2017 and on Instagram it is Thomas Bryce 2020. And as always, me and Glenn have another third member of our Freebirds team. It's the mayor of Kenton. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. He does a meal with the mayor every Wednesday where he reviews fast food Hopefully the next one he eats is terrible because I want to see him get angry because I like when the mayor gets fired up. Um, and you and you never know when the big mayor Boski is going to come in and yeah. be lewd, shall we say. The big mayor Boski is a lot like WrestleMania 13. It comes in soft, but it finishes hard. <laughs> That's the sort of thing that happens, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, that's it. We want to thank our buddy again, Rob, for joining us. It was a hell of a good time. We'll have to have you back again sometime. And now all we got to do is for Glenn to say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>